Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Welcome to the Go Big Redcast, the Husker Fan Sports Show with Dave, Honky, Mac, and Boomer. Welcome to the Go Big Redcast. I'm your host, David Gaspers, and I'm with Honky. Tonight, we're without Boomer and Mac, so we're going to find out if they're our secret sauce or not. <laughs> uh, we are not with Boomer and Mac because this is a quick a rapid reaction show. Uh, earlier today, Tim Miles was fired as the head coach of the Nebraska basketball program, and we wanted to take a chance to talk a little bit about uh, what has gone down the last couple of weeks and what uh, we should be looking forward to in the potential hiring of, of a new coach at Nebraska for the basketball team. Uh, Honky, let's just start off. This is rapid reaction, so let's just react. Uh, we've been waiting for this decision, it seems like, for uh, a while, and we finally got it today. Uh, what are your initial thoughts? Well, you and I have had a chance here uh, last weekend, Dave. I went down to Denver and got to watch the first round with you there on Thursday and Friday, so we've seemed like it feels like we've talked about this a thousand times, but it actually happened today, it, the, the firing uh, of miles as expected. Um, and I think what this starts to do is it just gets the, the process rolling. Right. Um, I think before we get too deep into expectations of the program and who the next hire is going to be, I think we at least have to take a moment to, to appreciate what miles did accomplish here. And, and he is leaving this program in a better place than what he took over seven years ago. There's, there's no doubt about that. I also think that he had a similar model with getting, uh, transfers here to what Hoiberg did at Iowa State. And I think it's it's a model that can work here. I think Miles took it as far as he could take it, and then he kind of plateaued. And I, I think that he's set kind of the stage that Hoiberg can come in here, or I guess I should say a coach like Hoiberg can, can come in here. Jump on the it, gun there a little bit, huh? Yeah, take it to that next level. <laughs> Who are you thinking? <laughs> yeah, this is just rapid reaction to today. Maybe I, maybe I shouldn't jump That's ahead too funny. much, right? Well, you know, I think I think it's a good point. Uh, Tim Miles uh, finishes his career seven years, over five hundred uh, overall, uh, like what one sixteen and one fourteen, something like yeah, that. Something like that. Uh, yeah, below five hundred in in conference play, which Bill Moose made a point again today, just like he did with uh, with football uh, a year ago. That you know, winning your conference is important because that ultimately especially in the Big Ten, should lead to bigger and better things in the national stage, and that we were not competitive enough in the Big Ten to retain Miles. Uh, but to your point, Hockey, uh, Miles has rejuvenated the program in many ways after 12 years, six under Doc Sadler and Dick, six under Barry Collier, a pretty lethargic um, fan enthusiasm for the program. Uh, not exactly exciting styles of, of basketball to watch, Recruiting was not a, a, their forte and ultimately produced a lot of uncompetitive teams. They did not have above 500 records. Tim Miles is only the second Nebraska basketball coach since um, 1964 or something like that 
to, to have that winning record. The other one being uh, Danny Knee. We, we call our basketball segment Knee Basketball because of <laughs> Danny Knee was the, the glory years of, of Husker B-ball, right? Yep. Even though he did not win an NCAA tournament, he did uh, produce a lot of uh, fan excitement. And we had lost that over the first uh, decade or more in the 2000s. Tim Miles took the energy that PBA and the new arena and the new practice facility and really was a very uh, fan-friendly and media-friendly head coach. Mm-hmm. And he had very early success in his his tenure. Second year, takes the team to the NCAA tournament. I, I have to admit, and if I was doing a podcast back then, you would have I would have this all on on record. But I'm just going to go and and incriminate myself again a, after that year two success. I don't know if you remember talking to me about this, but going into year three, I was extremely high on on, on Tim Miles and his ability to take us to the next level. It felt like to me that we had found our coach finally. Mm-hmm. Uh, he was doing all the things right, saying all the right things, getting the right players to uh, take this to the next level. To your point of the transfer market, he had success with Pitchford and Petaway uh, right away. And uh, I, I was like, I think this guy is going to win it. Not only win an NCAA tournament game, we're going to see Sweet 16s. And you know, eventually, over time, I could see this guy really building a program that we could threaten for a Final Four. I know that sounds crazy, but I really that's how high I was on Tim Miles uh, circa 2014, uh, 2013, 2014. And ultimately, it fell apart, right? His year three did not uh, turn out as well as expected. He had then three very poor years, or maybe two more very poor years after that, until rebounding in year six with transfers again with James Palmer and Isaac Copeland. And a core of good uh, recruits out of high school, Watson and, and Roby in particular. And here we sat again, and everybody knew going into year seven what was at stake. There was no questions. It was, Tim Miles, you've you've earned an extra year past Doc Sadler and Barry Collier, both of them <laughs> getting fired in year six, right? Yep. And we, we knew that year seven was, here you go. This is a team that's talented enough to n- make the tournament for certain. And then after that, maybe you could actually win a game or two, and you're going to get your extension. You're going to have a 10-plus-year run easy at Nebraska if he's sticking around, and and everything would be gravy after that. And it, it looked like that was there, right? Up until early January, we were sitting at 11-2. and two. We had good wins. We had thumped Creighton. We had beat Clemson at Clemson, had beat Seton Hall, Sure, we lost to Texas Tech, but we knew Texas Tech looked really good. And then Big Ten play really started in earnest. We lose two, we bounce back, and, and beat Indiana, and you're like, okay, this is a really great conference this year. All he needs to do is go 10-10, and 10, and he's still making the tournament. Everybody still has that expectation. And you lose to Rutgers, and just feels like all the wheels fell off. And it was a classic Miles losing stretch yeah. that is hard to explain i mean right? as we've learned he could have gone eight and 12 and probably made it unfortunately yeah. um aside from the the on the court wins and losses he was wildly popular off the court there's no doubt about that and i think that helped maybe segue to you know what's gone on the last couple of weeks there's so many good feelings for miles there's so much support he has we have friends of the show that are big supporters of him. Apparently Seth Davis is a huge supporter of him because there were people that just, just thought that he was just being 
wronged and terribly wronged by, by athletic director Moose over the course of the last couple of weeks. And I said it on last week's show, and I'll say it again tonight. I have no idea what these people were complaining about. I, 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 I thought Moose handled this completely professionally. I thought Moose was completely consistent with what his own rules were on how to handle this. And I, I never thought he wavered. And today during his, his press conference, he was he was nothing but but professional about it. And I thought Miles was professional as, as expected as he walked out the doors. Um, but the whole process, that turned me off a little bit, was just the, the negativity that was thrown towards the athletic director and the program over the last week, which I thought was completely unwarranted. Yeah, it, it is amazing in this day and age. Uh, it's a really a part of the the Twitterverse and and all the social media and the instant um, uh, expectation for instant news and, and to stay on schedule and something's always happening. And, you know, I, I think uh, Bill Moose, uh, Bill's, what, upper 60s, close to 70. He, he works on his own schedule and he doesn't care if the Twitter Twitter world <laughs> is blowing up because he's not doing yeah, something. He's I don't not think, on right? Twitter. You know what I'm saying? You know, he's not on <laughs> right. Twitter. He, he just doesn't care. care. He just doesn't care, guys. And, and you're right, you know, I mean, for the folks that uh, feel like it could have been handled better, uh, I suppose the answer could clearly be yes. Because if, and we've got fans that, you know, were complaining, we had local media and national media, you know, saying, I don't think this is the way you should handle this. Uh, and going as far as saying uh, Moose is, is handling it really poorly uh, national folks like Dan Walken and uh, Seth Davis, as you mentioned, and and, and uh, Jeff Goodman. Yeah, Hunk, go ahead. Well, but, you know, a lot of this goes back to the fact that this was a, a, a timing issue, and we've talked about this, Dave, and you can kind of go into this a little bit. It was a moving timetable, right? I mean, it, it, it wasn't clean because what probably most people thought was going to happen a couple weeks ago didn't happen. Yeah, yeah. I really think that's in many ways the case. I mean – I was listening to um, uh, what, probably unsportsmanlike conduct, I think, and uh, uh, John Bishop was, you know, saying you should have fired him, you know, right after the the Big Ten tournament and, and all this type of stuff, and why drag this out and all this, and and really feel like the I I, I hear you, and you could have done that, I suppose. Uh, we, there's other examples of of programs that have fired their coach, um, even if they were eligible for a, a postseason bid, but. I think that Iowa game just kind of threw a wrench in everything, you know? It, it, I don't know how many, you know, of our, our diehard listeners and, and Miles supporters or even the casual fan who's who's listened to this podcast, uh, usually for football, and but they tuned in to tonight because, hey, I want to hear more about, you know, Tim Miles getting fired, thought that Nebraska was going to beat Iowa on Senior and Sunday. If they, and if I they just, don't, hockey, yeah, I mean, if they don't come back from that nine-point last-minute crazy comeback 16 points down in the second half 50 seconds if they left. don't come back what is what, you know what's our record there dave and what's the you know what's the scenario then we're fifth yeah we're 15 and 16 at the end of the regular season nit only takes 500 and above so at that point you were looking at a nebraska team that would have to win at least two games in the big 10 tournament because you know they're going to lose one unless you would you know mm-hmm. run the table and so you're then staring at okay beat rutgers shorthanded and then come back and, and beat a Maryland team, and there would have been very little, you know, expectation of that. Now they did it, obviously, even. But the Iowa game facilitated all that, really adding that momentum, yeah. right? If if they would have lost Iowa, even if they beat Maryland, they're at five hundred, and 
let's say they lose to Wisconsin as they did, you're looking at a borderline NIT team. I, 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 they're 500, so I believe they could have gotten in. There would not have been a four seed. They would have been a seven seed, maybe even eight seed. They're playing TCU in the first round instead of uh, Butler, and they m- might lose you know much sooner again. It just felt like, but because of beating Iowa, because of beating Maryland, and getting above 500, they get a four seed. They get a home game. They get a whole extra round in the NIT tournament. It just seemed to be just extending it. And to your point, Moose seems to be very set on not firing someone in season while there's still games to be Mm -hmm. played. He felt that that defined as the end of postseason play, which in Nebraska's case was the NIT. Yeah, he was very clear today that, uh, you know, unless there's a behavioral type issue with a coach, he's not going to do anything until the season's done. He doesn't doesn't think it it's helpful to the players doesn't think it's helpful to the the coaches in any way to, to add that stress onto them you know still coaching games that hey you, you've been fired but keep coaching the next two or three games like he doesn't think that helps them at all so yeah, yeah. and I think you know football and basketball are different uh and I think Boomer brought up that I think Georgia declined an NIT invitation a few years ago when they fired Mark Fox and and hired Tom Crean I don't know how often that actually happens, guys. I guess we could do a little additional research on that. But I, I can point to this year and even today as examples of how other schools do it. Very similar to how Bill Moose just did it today. Arkansas fired Mike Anderson today. Arkansas finished above 500. They went to the NIT. They won their first round game. They lost their second round game on Saturday, a full day before Nebraska oh, lost terrible. their second round game. And they let... Frank or Mike Anderson to hang out there for a whole extra day longer than 10 miles because Come they fired on, him today, like an Seth hour before Davis, 10. Get on this. Disgraceful. I mean, Arkansas should be ashamed of themselves. It's just. God. <laughs> it, you, you think the, that's worse? bad, honky? Vanderbilt. Van, Vanderbilt finished below 500 and had their last game played on March 13th in the SEC tournament. And Bryce Drew had only been there for three years and actually had had recruited a, a really great like five-star guy who got injured earlier in the year, and then they lost every single SEC tournament or conference game. Got fired on March 22nd, nine hey, days hey, after his last game. Hey, oh, my God. What? Is, uh, the humanity. Nine. Uh. Shocking, isn't it? It's just shocking. Alabama fired Avery Johnson after he lost his NIT game. And it took several days to negotiate a, a buyout of his, his contract, apparently. Um, the, the trend continues. Coaches get fired after uh, they play in the postseason. And sometimes it goes much longer than what we just experienced. Uh, I, I think Nebraska, Nebraska Nice just turns up and it's like we – I think it like then it, it, it's uh, multiplied by Tim Miles Nice and how strong a relationship he has with some – media folks that really want to come to defend him and it makes everybody freak out and think that we should have, I don't know, magically fired him at this perfect hour that made everybody super happy. And it just wasn't going to work out that way because firings are all jokes aside. I think that, that we realize these things can be messy and there's, there's people's lives being involved and no one wants to see this happen. All of us on this show wanted to see Tim miles, take this team to the final four. Like you, you know, thought could happen a few years ago, Dave, and, and we wouldn't be in this situation. But we are, and the main thing that that I, I want to defend is I want to defend the athletic director. I thought, you know, he's not on Twitter and he's not out there um, answering every single Seth Davis, you know, uh, tweet at him. But 
what he was doing was nothing unique and nothing, you know, deceitful and nothing disgraceful or terrible. He was just doing his job, waiting till the season was done, sticking by what his what his philosophy is, and he's very consistent with that. And and everyone, you know, turns out here, I think, in a good spot. Miles will be taken care of, as we know, for the next two and a half years. He's going to be getting paid, and and uh, we're going to end up, uh, you know, with a with a really great coach. I think when this is all when this is all done, um, I am again just to just to finish off this season before we kind of move into the next piece here, Dave, talking about expectations. But I do want to give a lot of credit to that team down to six and seven players, very, you know, the Johnny Truebloods, the, the secret song, whatever the heck that was all about. But, I mean, I just, it was <laughs> awesome to see them play so hard after a January and February where I think that became the knock on this team. The narrative was that the, some of the effort wasn't there. It was great to see the effort there, you know, tenfold in those last couple games. So I'm so glad that they finished the way they did. I personally, I wish they would have won the whole NIT. It wouldn't have changed any of this, these outcomes. I wish they would have won the NIT because I just, I can't root against the Huskers ever, but the loss has now made it possible for, for, for the team to move on, for the program to move on. And, and that's where we are now. Yeah, absolutely. And Bill Moose uh, had a press conference today, spoke for, I don't know, 20 minutes or so. And um, very similar to the uh, press conference after Mike Riley got fired, uh, he was very upfront about his search process, uh, at least more upfront than most ADs would be. And he did acknowledge that he's had conversations, or at least a conversation, with Fred Hoiberg about the the opening, uh, kind of judging his interest in it. Did not say it went any further than that, but uh, also said there was a few other coaches, uh, maybe two additional coaches that he's exploring, uh, that his list is over time been, been malleable and evolving, but he, he has those names on that list. And that might all just be AD speak in, in some degrees. Uh, most uh, local and national uh, sports writers still feel that Fred Hoiberg is uh, close to a done deal, if not a done deal, and it's just a matter of, of time. Uh, I, I would say that a part of this whole scenario that we just discussed, Hockey, is 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 a into partly from the Fred Hoiberg rumors. If we hadn't had as strong of an interest on on Fred Hoiberg for since last Monday, essentially or Tuesday, the the uproar about whether we're firing Miles or not probably would have been lesser, right? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, but it's, it's, it's crazy, because dude. everybody we- expects us to hire Fred Hoiberg that everybody was pissed off that we hadn't fired Tim Miles yet. It's crazy. We recorded last week's show. I think it was Monday night. Yeah. And at that point, we were still talking. Um, you know, it's, there was you know the speculation still could be, have been that in generalities. Boomer had mentioned Horberg a long time ago, and he had yeah. Had a and few, we were talking about folks that, saying that's a, that's a big name, but yeah, there's the potential Miles doesn't get fired, right? I mean, that was still an option technically, technically out there, um, but. Hoiberg was just one of many names. Then all of a sudden, whether it's some of the Lars Anderson, you know, tweets or whatever, all of a sudden Hoiberg wasn't just the on guy. Tuesday. By he was Tuesday, the, he was uh, by Tuesday, he was the only guy. I mean, he became. We, we talked about it last Monday night how there isn't a Scott Frost kind of coach in this search right now for Moose. So there's you know multiple guys we could go out and get Musselman or you know. Marshall and go down the the list of a bunch of really qualified guys. And all of a sudden, by the time all the Hoiberg rumors got out there, 
that list shrunk to one. If if we don't get Hoiberg, it's boomer bust. And I don't really <laughs> think that's a great, you know, narrative right now either. I th- I still believe there's multiple great coaches now. Um, Moose specifically said he had three or four. I think it was three. He said during his press conference today, and that I think he's made contact with all three that he they talked about, including Hoiberg being one of them because that question was asked. And I like how Moose he answered. Very honest. He answered that he's like, well, I don't know if I'd consider them all candidates, but I have talked to coaches. That's <laughs> that's interesting. I, I mean. Do I think it's going to be Hoiberg? Of course I think it's going to be Hoiberg at this point. I don't have any reason that I everything I've read and heard, you know, sounds like that's going to be the route. But but the point is is that there's a lot of good coaches out there. Moose was going to have those guys on his list and and of course he's going to be talking with them while Miles is still coaching. He was talking with Frost while Riley was still coaching. But I mean what it tells you is that he made his decision you know, he didn't wait until the NIT to make the decision. He's had this decision made for Correct. for a little while, and and quite honestly, I think most people had that decision made as the team went through January and February. Yeah, he didn't say it as much, but I, I feel like a part of his decision making process and whether to fire or or keep Tim Miles was doing his due diligence with some potential candidates and judging interest out there, right, and getting an idea. The point of them not being candidates, just finding out how um, coaches of, of a certain caliber perceive the the program and the coaching opportunity here seems to like an AD doing his, his legwork, essentially, right? And that's that should be what he should be doing at that point. Uh, and he made a point that he can do a little bit more with Fred Hoiberg because he's not coaching right now, and others mm-hmm. he wouldn't be able to be as, as active with. And so... Yep, and that, and that perception that candidates would have of this job is really important because I think I really want to start talking about expectations. And and I thought Moose touched on that today. So to your point there, Dave, about, you know, candidate XYZ, whoever he is, and what if he perceives Nebraska not to be an attractive job because they don't you know, we don't have history, then I think Moose would look at that person and say, Oh, you're not a candidate anymore. What he yeah. looked what he said today at quote, this should be an attractive job. And you know, if we've never won a tournament game, never won a Big Ten championship, then, hey, come here and do it. The only thing we're lacking in is tradition. Tough league, but we're lacking in that tradition, but so is Washington State football and Oregon basketball. I hired the right people to come in and get competitive. I mean, that's that's a that's a guy, that's an alpha male as an AD saying, I, I want to win, and I'm going to hire guys that want to win. And I, I don't care. Don't look at what this program looks like right now, at least in terms of tradition. Look at what this program can be. We talked about this so much last weekend, Dave, about, you know, if you go back to like a Devaney, when he got here in 62, that our facilities were worse than the ones that he had at Wyoming. We were 20 years a loser. And most Husker fans just wanted a competitive team. They just wanted a team that could go six and four. That's all they wanted. And Devaney, he was the guy, he was a visionary kind of guy that goes, I want to win titles. I want to win national championships at Nebraska. That's the only reason I'm coming here. If not, I might as well stay at Wyoming. And I think if he would have gone out and just said that that way in 1962, a lot of people would have been like, oh, give me a break. Come on, just just win six games, would you, Bob? But yeah, yeah. But the reality is it you hire the right people. You get lucky. Maybe a grad assistant like a Tom Osborne comes into your office. But but the point is he was building something to be great. He could ha- He had that vision. Here's the good news about basketball right now. You don't have to worry about the facilities being worse. You're yeah. walking into an unbelievable situation. 
whoever this guy is, and again, let's just call it Hoiberg, you're not having to build a stadium. You're not having to build a practice facility. Those things have been there. We have a uh, you, you know, don't need to figure out how to get your I'm, I'm, what's that? Yeah, you don't, you don't you don't have to worry about getting people to come to PBA to games. Right? No, they, you're already doing it. Well, Dave, Dave, that's one of the things that we talked about. We have a listener uh, that he was tweet, uh, tweeting back and forth with us, and he made the statement. He goes, "Nebraska basketball has more challenges than basically any other Power Five program," and that's I get where he's coming at because he's bringing he's talking about the specific issues that Nebraska has population recruiting and you know there's and those are real issues they're challenges um I call them excuses if if you lose because of those because there's so many other teams that have those exact same issues and can win but but that con that idea the idea that somebody thinks that Nebraska basketball has more challenges than basically any any other power five program that's just patent blatantly wrong I mean I think it's crazy I mean everyone has different challenges and we mentioned I mean, it. bill moose had to be uh, the bill moose he's like you ever been to pullman right? yeah well, <laughs> i mean like are you telling me that it's harder at nebraska <laughs> than washington state Bo- boomers from from uh, the panhandle of texas he talks about that being texas the arm, armpit of america and you know look at texas tech right now we looked at wake forest you've been eight- to lubbock honky <laughs> i've been to lubbock the wind blows constantly there. You're out in the middle of nowhere. Wake Forest. I mean, Wake, you're still seven hours from Dallas. Yeah. Wake Forest has eight, is one of 18 Division One basketball schools in the state of North Carolina. They have high academic standards. They go And those other schools that are in North Carolina include Duke and North Carolina and North Carolina State, some blue bloods of, of, of basketball. And my point is, is that that's challenging for them. That's their challenges that are inherent to where they're from. And the point is, every program has those, okay? Um, uh, the same guy, we talked about how it's easier to recruit to Omaha than Lincoln. Why? Because Omaha's more metropolitan? Sure. Well, then why is it easier to recruit to Manhattan or Ames than Lincoln? If that's using that exact same mentality. I mean, it just... Or, or are Madison ones. opposed to Milwaukee, right? Exactly. There's enough of the excuse. This can be a great program. It needs a great leader at the top that had that vision and can get it done. I think Miles had a lot of vision. I think he, he worked as hard as he could do, and he just it just didn't get done. But it doesn't mean that it can't be done here. Of course it can. And that's what Moose is talking about. And I'm telling you, let's talk money for a second. Because this is one of those, and, hey, if Nebraska yeah. has more challenges than basically any other, we're looking at potentially – what what I'm I'm reading here is seven year twenty eight million dollar kind of territory. If that was the case, if that's the number, four million dollars a year, four million that puts us year. in the top yeah. ten of pay. That puts us above the three point eight million that Michigan's John Beeline makes right now. That doesn't sound like a program that has more challenges than any other Power Five program. We might have our own unique challenges that are inherent to us, but we have a lot of advantages too. And that's Moose's job and the AD's job at any of these other schools is to sell the strengths and not the weaknesses. You know, I mean, because if I was at Northwestern, I wouldn't be selling how hard it is to recruit kids. You know, they have to have three point eights or whatever to get in. I wouldn't be selling that, but I would be selling that we're right on Lake Michigan and that we're in Chicago and we're the Big Ten team of Chicago. And and I'd go down the list. That's what I would sell if I was there. Moose is selling the right things here. We have a 300,000 person town here. We, you know, which is a, a fairly large um, college town when you, you know, when you compare that and we have all the facilities and we have all the fans. I mean, this is a great basketball conference. And one other thing that coaches want 
coaches want stability. And we have stability right now. It was weird yesterday that, that President Bounds stepped down. But even that, we have stability at the chancellor. We have stability at the AD. And and I we have a stable university system where we'll get a new president and, and he'll be a good president, whoever they get, he or she. Yeah, absolutely. I think that $4 million is important, not just because it's Fred Hoiberg, but I think it also gives you an indication of what we're willing to, to pay to get a high caliber coach in. And if if it was someone else, not Fred Hoiberg, but someone else of that caliber, we'd also be willing to pay $4 million. So for people to think that you know, Hoiberg is our only option if we fail to get him. At that, that that price tag at four million, it changes the game a little bit here. This is different than a two or two point five million type coach. I was looking, Arkansas just fired Mike Anderson. He's making two point five million, right? Uh, and that that was an established, uh, you know, coach at mm-hmm. Missouri that they, you know, pulled away from the Tigers to go to Arkansas, and because he had ties to the school, um, and has been there for eight years, and so to to go from that type of range was what miles is making approximately to a 4 million. It probably expanded the the pool. And, and even if it isn't for Fred Hoiberg, uh, it, it could be similar to a similar ilk because that's, that's big dollars in, in, in both, uh, yeah. college. And Tom Indiana, Izzo makes so. 4.1. So, I mean, that's, I've heard a lot of people over the years say, you know, if we want to be, be a big time program, we gotta, we gotta pay up like a big time program. I don't know that I've always agreed with that statement, but whether I agree with it or not, it's a moot point. We're going to be paying up this time, and so paying up means that you're you're yeah. going to be if you're paying up, you're going to be getting a coach that comes in here with different credentials than previous coaches have come to Nebraska with. Just as simple as that. And yeah, and, and higher yep. expectations, At, right? I mean, we 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 would expect Fred Hoiberg or uh, similar to to win an NCAA tournament game uh, sooner yep. than later, and so that's that's a just a different different ball game and it's it's one where yeah we're paying more money but we want to get results with that money and we have been paying good money to Tim Miles and have not gotten the results that any uh, power five program feels like they deserve for two and yep, a half million absolutely. dollars so well and I think you know now I guess kind of looking forward looking ahead to maybe very specifically uh, next season you know uh I guess, you know, maybe before we go there, do we want to talk coaches or are we just kind of saying it's it's Hoiberg, Dave? Because, I mean. Well, I, I think we'd be naive to, to not put him absolutely at the top of the list and think that it is highly likely that it is Fred Hoiberg. And I'll, I'll be excited to talk in depth about that hire and maybe in a yeah, few days our, when it happens. Uh, if, if there's other candidates out there, you know, I, I don't know who those would necessarily be, but I, I'm seeing a, a $4 million price mm-hmm. tag. It could be bigger names than what well, you well, expect. Go just ahead. for the uh, the fun of it here, Moose said that he had three on his list. So, and he, he reached out to three. I'm the wrong guy to answer this. You know basketball a lot more than me. There's no way for us to prove what's right or wrong. So I'm just going to say, ask you, who are the, who are the other two? Who do you think of the other two on his list? We know Hoiberg. He, I, I don't know what, if, if, I'll give you like other two that might be on my yeah, list. What's just, Dave's, um, what's Dave's really top quick. three list in his, his, well, because I'm a I'm a North Carolina fan, and and actually I, I almost saw uh, Duke lose this weekend. <laughs> I would actually I would actually take Johnny Dawkins, a former Duke player, as potential head coach. Uh, a Stanford 
uh, coach previously who had good run there. they just not great. Sweet 16 appearance. Went, goes to UCF in three years, has a winner there, and took uh, Duke right to the end. I, I think Johnny Dawkins seems to be uh, someone that would be a someone I'd sure be interested in and be very happy with that hire. Um, and I, w- I would still, obviously, someone like Eric Musselman, mm-hmm. I think, still would be a, a good hire. Uh, but uh, honestly, at that $4 million, there could be other Power 5 sitting coaches that would entertain mm-hmm. that uh, offer yeah. as well. So. Well, so then moving towards next season, the, the, whoever the coach is, whatever success they're going to have in that first year is going to be based on some of the players we currently have. Obviously, you would imagine some transfers coming in and all that, but also recruits. And I wanted to get some quotes uh, for today, and I saw this on Rivals. They uh, they did a nice job asking some of the recruits uh, their current thoughts. And so here's some quotes. Donovan Williams, the, the 6'5 shooting forward from – uh, Lincoln Northstar, he says, as of now, I'm still committed to Nebraska, but yeah, I'm, I'm just going to focus on summer right now and see how things are, are there. Uh, the AD is a great guy, so I've got a lot of confidence in them to bring in who they think is a good fit, and I'm pretty sure I'll like him as much as I like Miles, so we'll see where things go. So that was Donovan Williams. Uh, Mike Adams-Woods, he's the 6'2 point guard from New Hampton Prep, New Hampshire. He goes at, at the point at this point right now, no, it doesn't change anything. Right now, it doesn't change anything. Obviously, who they hire next does mean a lot, but I think I kind of know Fred Hoiberg might get it. He's a great coach. I've heard from a bunch of people and everybody I talked to about him. I haven't talked to him yet, so once I talk to him on the phone and everything, that's when I can go forward with my decision. The only recruit that they talked to that seemed a little bit on the, the fence here is that Gervais Green. He's the junior college guy from Western Nebraska, CC, the 6'3 shooting guard. And he goes, that's why I don't know. I don't know because I signed up to play for Coach Miles, so at the point, I don't know. I'm going to talk with my family, talk to my coaches here, see what happens, and then who Nebraska hires will impact the decision for sure, but at the end of the day, I wanted Miles. So you're going to get a little bit of, of both there, and the, but I think we'll see after the hire is made here, hopefully shortly, that um, within the next week or two, the, the opportunity to go out and talk to these recruits, I mean – those are those first early wins is that if in two weeks these guys are saying, oh, yeah, I'm coming. Not It's not even a second guess. I've had Once I had a chance to talk to to the coach, all is well, I'm here. I mean, that's a, that's a, a good early win, I would think. Yeah, no, absolutely. And there could be some attrition on the current roster that we don't have planned yet. But, you know, depending on the type of coach that's hired, you know, Hoiberg might be a pretty compelling reason to stick around. And I do think – for the recruits, Green is the absolute top guy that you'd want to want to see uh, still come to Nebraska. He has the biggest impact immediately, and you know, look, you know, we we you know a lot of people wanted to keep Mike Riley because he had a good recruiting class. I think Tim Miles has a a good recruiting class here, but not maybe a great one. And if it is someone like Fred Hoiberg, I mean, I'm sure he's going to have at his discretion a really good assistant uh, coaching salary pool he's going to hire some high quality assistants make sure they they still recruit clean right but he can go and get some guys uh, even at this late stage uh, for you know 2019 and beyond so I think it's a mix of trying to keep our guys but also uh, being open to some late additions to the to the roster with a new coach with a new yeah absolutely I guess you can look at that as part of a transition between coaching staffs is that there is a bit of an advantage to have some turnover on a team you know if we had 11 guys coming back next year there's not as much opportunity 
for the new coach to make the changes that they need. And, you know, you always hear that, that, uh, you know, wait until they get my guys in. Well, you know, these coaches might be able to get a lot of guys in, in a short period of time. Uh, there's going to be some spots. Turnover is much faster on a basketball roster than yep. a football roster. And it, it should be Fred Hoyer's <laughs> team, whoever's team, in yeah, relatively and Moose, short order. Moose mentioned that today right? in the in the press conference. He said that specifically in basketball, you can turn something over a lot quicker, a year or two, because of just less guys. He goes in football when you have 100-plus dudes on a team. It just takes a little bit longer to get some things turned over. So, I, I you know, I think we saw it with Miles in year two with – Petaway and Pitchford and you know some transfers that succeeded he almost had too much success too quickly you could almost look back and say now but but um but we saw what that he could do it and and he walked into I think is a lot worse situation with what Sadler left him then hopefully if as long as this doesn't completely blow up after the season I think he's left a good situation uh for the next coach if I don't know what's going on with Nana but if Roby does stick around which is could be more than possible, and Thomas Allen, and if Gervais Green, and we've got Burke, who's the the transfer that was sitting out this year from yep. was it Duquesne? Is that where he was from last year, Dave? Do you know? Or it sounds um, right. Yeah. Yep. But yeah, I mean, there's there's a lot of there's a lot of mold to work with, and then it, what's important to me in football is the same thing in basketball to keep the in-state pipeline coming. We've got guys now in consecutive classes that are Nebraska kids, at least one for three straight classes, and then there's multiple kids like in the 2021 class that we can go after. And again, as we said, there's only 13 players on a team. If you can get one every year out of the state of Nebraska, you've got at least – you probably have one-third of your recruiting class done every year. Get – you know, and in four years, yeah. we'll have four Nebraska right. kids on the team. Simple so math. That's four more than Sadler and Collier combined. Yeah. All right. Well, we uh, we covered our bases and uh, did an efficient show. Great talking to you. I'm sure we'll be back maybe just in a few days, uh, maybe do a full show – potentially with a, a basketball coaching hire in, yeah. in football, of course. For now, let's call that a Go Big Redcast.